You want to find and keep your tribe of raving fans. I want to support that journey. This is the Digging Deep Podcast with your host, Justin Lamb of 360 Media. I explore ways to help you build a more attractive business that finds and keeps your tribe of raving fans. Hey everybody, this is Justin Lam, and you're listening to episode 39 of Digging Deep, where we help business owners build a better business. And today, I am joined by a wonderful, bubbly inter- uh, individual who I met through BNI, and he's been a wonderful uh, ball of energy. Uh, he is the owner and uh, proud, proud owner, I should say, of Pinnacle Hospitality Consulting, uh, where he helps other businesses do better business on his own merit, uh, particularly in the hospitality industry. So I want to introduce Morgan Ayers. Thank you for joining me today. Good afternoon, Justin. So in this time, I think it's been really interesting. Um, One of the things that are transitioning are um, people in the hospitality industry has had to pivot, had to do massive Mm -hmm. shifts in their business. What type of things have you been seeing in, in your world? Yeah, for hospitality, I mean, specifically for me, uh, I specialize in uh, restaurants and cafes. So they've been the most impacted uh, in terms of COVID and obviously restrictions. Uh, So there's been tons of, you know, the word pivot uh, as a strategy and and really adapting to, you know, weekly, monthly, what's changing in the industry. So um, specific things, you know, a lot of more online, a lot more, um, you know, understanding their menu, kind of what's making them money. Um, has been, you know, a topic of conversation for a lot of my clients. And, you know, we continue to adapt within that uh, to see what's working, what's not, what's meeting their target clientele is where, where they're at right now and their comfort levels. Uh, so whether it be dine-in or takeout, it's it's really particular to which business uh, and where they are, where, where's their market. Because, you know, even downtown being impacted more so than the suburbs has been interesting and challenging and different than usual. And that's really interesting because I think... Um... I mean, as a consultant, you know, your job is to come in and help them fix these things. Um, but there's a level of forecasting that kind of needs to occur, um, you know, for you to see, you know, the progress. And and I guess at this point, wouldn't it be difficult to really manage that that uh, forecasting because rules are changing every day? I mean, last week we were able to have 50 people in a place and now we can't even have, you know, six in our own home. Yeah. Absolutely. And and that's the thing is, you know, unprecedented times is another tagline that's been used a lot because um, we really don't know. So I'm really working with my clients to encourage them to have, you know, plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G in place and, and be able to um, implement it as quickly as they can. Um, so really having their teams trained well to adapt to change um, and to really be ready to activate any of those plans. So they have to be, you know, in this climate, they've got to make sure that they're um, ready to change on a dime. And, you know, even something as simple as, you know, checking someone's temperature, you know, is something that, you know, have to put into a routine and make sure people are, you know, having the right equipment and right processes and right time to, to make that happen, uh, to serve their clients better and to keep their team safe, but also their customers safe. And so it's interesting that you mentioned, um, equipment and procedures, you know, how much has technology had to play a role in this adaptation for some of your clients? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot. I think, you know, some of them that have been, um, you know, comfortable for years and years and not really engaged with social media, marketing online, um, online deliveries, delivery platforms have had to have been forced into that um, very quickly and having to learn and adapt and use technology to 
either, you know, scale their business and grow their business to ha- find new revenue streams or, um, yeah, like something as basic as, you know, like a, a temperature gauge had to, you know, really engage with that. So um, depending on, you know, their experience, uh, it's been a lot more comfortable um, to change for some of them that are already used to that um, and to be online and to be familiar with those platforms. But, you know, for some of them that have been in business 30, 40 years, those are the ones that are really challenged that have been, you know, maybe a little bit stuck in their ways and, uh, and in trying to, you know, just open the doors and, you know, expect it to be, you know, business as usual, because it's definitely not. Mm. And so I see a lot of restaurants kind of jumping on the DoorDash and, and Uber Eats train. And of course, Uber Eats and, and uh, DoorDash have had kind of kind of bad press, I think, over the last little while, especially with the way that they're treating uh, restaurant owners. In in your line of work, you know, how, how have you tried or what type of obstacles have you seen for you know individuals in the restaurant industry what type of solutions you know could they possibly look into that maybe they might be a little bit too lazy or maybe not even aware of that might exist yeah for delivery platforms uh i mean we all know you know we've seen the publicity in terms of the the percentage that they're taking um some of them can really work for your business model it really depends on your your margins and understanding your food costing your drink costing um in your business and a lot of them don't know that and that's where i come in and definitely help and support um because if you don't know your margins and you're giving away you know so much percentage over uber eats and then it's just cutting into that profit it's not worth it um and then on the flip side, you're getting extra marketing, you're getting extra exposure to these, um, you know, consumers that are already engaged and already hungry um, or thirsty and want something on there. So there, there's, a, there's a give and take to it um, in terms of, you know, really understanding your business model and understanding your client and your, your customer. Because um, if you don't, then it, it can actually be a really big detriment to your business. And historically, I think a lot of restaurants uh, tend to have very low profit margins, and I think that's a byproduct of them shooting themselves in the in the foot uh, by trying mm-hmm. to be the uh, the race to the bottom, so to speak. <clears throat> How do you, as a consultant, um, then go in to help these people kind of shift their mindset and shift the way that they're thinking about profit margins as a healthy business instead of what has traditionally been a very um, perceived cutthroat kind of business? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, you're never going to get in most ca- restaurants and cafes, you're never going to get an amazing uh, profit margin, right? That's just, you know, cost of doing business. When you think about labor and overhead, especially in Vancouver, um, even just, you know, lease and rental spaces can can eat into the profits quickly. Um, so you have to really know, like I kind of alluded to just a minute ago, it's like, you have to know your, your profit margins. You have got to know what are your profitable dishes? Um, and what are your, you know, dishes that are maybe your lower sellers or your high profit, um, not high profit, <laughs> your high cost. Yeah. And you got to know your markup. And when you don't know that, I think that's where it really gets into, um, being a challenge. Um, within that, I think, you know, there's a huge level to who you have working in your business and how do you train them? Uh, and that's where, you know, I really encourage, you know, proper training, proper product knowledge, proper upselling techniques in terms of being authentic um, and, you know, pairing, you know, great items together, whether it be coffee with a great pastry or, you know, a great meal with a, a glass of wine that you can sell now through, you know, delivery apps, which is uh, amazing, right? For the first time ever, we've gotten some things that have actually benefited from the pandemic, um, you know, lower liquor prices and being able to deliver alcohol that's sealed containers. Uh, was never heard of before, right? Um, and so knowing that, but also training your staff really well and having the right staff. Um, and so I help teams really build a high performance team, help managers build a high performance team um, and really understand, you know, if they have the right training systems in place and they have the right combination of the menu, 
great customer service will do the rest. And so what is your definition of a high performance team? What are some key key traits that you look for or you try to instill into a team? Mm -hmm. I think one of the big ones um, that I'm working on with many of my clients right now is cross-training and getting them to understand the full um, the full job uh, positions within the, the restaurant or cafe. If they don't know that, um, that can be a really big detriment right now, especially as you have smaller teams engaging with, you know, smaller sales and revenues is you really got to maximize profitability. So cross-training for different roles uh, and understanding the different roles will help build camaraderie and teamwork, um, but also help that uh, efficiency of the business for, you know, decreasing wait times and making sure that you're producing food at a, at a quick um, but reasonable speed, for sure. I think that would be number one. High performance team as well is, um, you know, just working on the inefficiencies in the business. What are the shoulder times? What are the down times? What are they doing during those times? Um, you know, so making sure that you have the right systems, right procedures in place, uh, you know, everything from a simple, you know, opening and closing checklists um, can really help out make sure that, you know, the business is being taken care of, but when they're not busy, they know what to do. Um, because a lot of times I find they're just standing around, right? And, uh, you know, managers don't know how to coach and develop that skill set or to find things for them to do. But the, the shoulder times or the down times or when it isn't busy are the times where we need to really be that much more efficient, right? To, to drive the team forward and to be ready for the next rush because that can be the detriment. Amazing. And I totally believe that. I think, especially if you're a smaller business, I think a lot of that uh, cross-training really leads you to be more resourceful or at least... Um, in, in my capacity as a person who, who really believes in lean uh, training, it's to really try to maximize the, the assets that you have instead of trying to bloat the business. Mm -hmm. And cross-training also gives your, your team a deeper understanding of how each person's uh, duties um, build on one another to make the entire system work. And I think mm -hmm. there's a greater level of appreciation for people who, you know, even from the dishwasher up, it's, you know, they're, they're like, well, I think in the past, they just kind of looked down at them, but you know, when you don't have dishes uh, ready to go and, and yeah. uh, nicely polished or whatever um, that impacts, you know, server frontline staff, you know, and, and that increases wait time, which eats into profit. So it is really yeah. quite important to, to develop proper SOPs and to have proper training uh, and, and more so like you alluded, I think having that cross training and um, is really quite, quite valuable. Mm -hmm. yeah, I've even heard of like high-end uh, restaurants having their, you know, waiters that have been waiters for 30 years do deliveries now because you've got to adapt and change and you've got to maybe take on extra responsibilities in this kind of different world, right? To, to get the hours, but also to meet your customers where they're at. If it is more on delivery, um, let's, let's get our waiters that are customer service agents that are, you know, able to give that five-star service. Let's give them an opportunity to actually connect with them through delivery. I think that was super smart for some of the restaurants that are higher end that did that downtown. Yeah, I think that's really smart. And then again, um, it also gives a sense of deeper value to the individuals. I think they feel more important and more empowered uh, that they're making a difference and that they're being used for more than what they originally signed up for, which mm -hmm. I think for most people who at least have some sort of motivating factor uh, to be a better person, you know, kind yeah. of looks for that little bit of responsibility. Uh, maybe they didn't want to be a manager, but just knowing that they're important and that they serve other purposes is, is quite yeah. great. Mm -hmm. So cross-selling and upselling is a really interesting thing because that's been <laughs> McDonald's coined the the do you want fries with that? And that's the upsell. And cross-selling is, you know, uh, adding like a wine or or something to pair with whatever it is that you're having. Can you tell me a little bit about you know how your approach to that looks like and you know what type of what type of uh, value that adds to a business? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um 
Well, I know that, you know, it's been tried and true in many different business models. You use McDonald's as an example. You know, I have Starbucks in my history. That's a big one. Um, you know, one of the big phrases that Starbucks coined was like, grab a grande because the medium size was a little bit more expensive. And if you didn't really ask what size would you like, um, you could assume a grande and 95% of people would actually order that size. It's like subconscious, right? I want the average or the regular size. Um, my approach is more... I would say based in product knowledge and based in understanding of the menu, um, being able to taste everything on the menu and understand like, what is this meal that we're serving? Whether it's like a steak and lobster, um, what's a great, to your point, like wine pairing with that, but what's a great appetizer to maybe cleanse your palate beforehand that'll complement that, you know, perfect meal that you're about to get. Um, there's, there's a reason why a lot of restaurants do like a three course or four course meal because it all works together and it all is cohesive and it's paired with wine and it has an experience behind it. And so I think, you know, with my clients, what I always try to do is figure out where is their training at? And how can we up-level that to a new place by working on product knowledge and then encouraging those perfect pairings, those personal recommendations that really come through um, because it'll be genuine, it'll be authentic and you know it's enhancing the meal. So great glass of wine, great meal, you're going to come back. You're going to remember, you're going to remember that. It's going to be more about just making, um, you know, a meal for someone. It's going to be more about making an experience or making a memory. Um and that can be really important, especially now more than ever, where, you know, maybe you're only dining out once a month versus once a week. And you may want to spend a little bit more money on that uh, meal um, because you can't travel as well. You know, I was just talking to someone about, you know, I was really craving Vietnam, Vietnamese food. <laughs> I think you and I were talking about Vietnam too. And because I was supposed to be in Vietnam. And so it's like, you know, I may go and spend a little bit more money on it. I may get, you know, different courses and different appetizers now or be encouraged to be like, hey, have you ever tried our, you know, um, whatever that might be, right? An appetizer or dessert that, you know, maybe in regular times you wouldn't get, but with the right kind of authentic and genuine like upsell, you can actually get people to spend a little bit more and have a better meal. Fantastic. Now, customer service obviously plays a big role in that. And, you know, there's difference between, you know, like traditional customer service and what I, I would more think of as um, genuine, authentic customer service, where you're really, you know, critically thinking and reading between the lines of what a client's wanting or a mm -hmm. customer's wanting. <clears throat> In your world, how do you approach customer service and you know what type of things that you, do you look for that you try to instill to your clients? Mm -hmm. I think really for me is partnering with them, partnering with the business owner, the manager, the team to understand like what is their vision? What are their what are their mission and values? You know, why did they start this business? Um, and going to the, the root core of that and understanding that fully myself before I can make recommendations on how they should um, improve their customer service or maybe where, you know, we can add service detail points, uh, whether that be an experience with a meal or a quick service restaurant, a cafe. Um, it all comes from like, what is the owner's passion and then why did they start this business and how do we link everything that they do um, to taking care of the customer? Um, and that shows up in different ways. I think, you know, something as simple as greeting someone when they walk in the door. Um, you know, and I think more so now than ever, the second point that I make is really around online. Are you responding to reviews? Are you, you know, being genuine in your posts for, I know you're big on this one, right? Like if Facebook, Instagram, um, you know, are you actually, you know, being genuine in those posts? Are you just trying to sell people something? Right. You know, I know the posts that do really well are like share, share customer stories, share, you know, connections with between the team and the customer, introduce your team to them because you can really make that personalized connection. Um, and, and that is resonating with people to support local now more than ever. Um, and I think that's important. So it's a combination of everything, really, in terms of finding out where they're at, where they want to go um, and then what is their root 
kind of core values within that, that we can uh, make a great experience for their customers, whether it be five minutes or five hours. That's very true. And so then, you know, with all of this, hopefully aside, you know, by, by the end of next year, where do you think the hospitality industry is headed and, you know, what, what lies, what lies in the, the kind of rocky waters ahead, I think is, is quite, quite an interesting uh, thing because as businesses are trying to hold on for dear life, um, mm-hmm. there are inevitably things that that'll change in the landscape. And, you know, what do you see as, as the trend or, or what's going to happen to these people and restaurants in the hospitality industry in the next two, maybe three years? Mm. Yeah, if I knew it would be great. I wish I had a crystal ball to understand exactly what's happening. I think um, I think we're all going to come out of it stronger, to be honest. Like, I'm, I'm very optimistic. You know, I still have clients calling um, that they are opening restaurants um, and that they are opening cafes and that they're still interested. I think it's just going to get everyone to dot their I's and cross their T's a little bit more. Uh, it's going to be about continuous improvement. It's going to be about change management. It's going to be about adapting to whatever landscape they are. But, you know, my goal is even right now, as we're in kind of a second wave in British Columbia, we lo- we should have learned, or we should learn, or we, we learned. I don't know which way you want to put it. We should have learned from the first time uh, what worked, what didn't work. And if we're not taking those learnings and applying them to this even small second wave of two weeks, um, then we're not a pervasive business owner like we need to be in this current landscape and in the future. And so, you know, it's really a test right now to, to who has that staying power, um, that is who is adapting and who is learning from mistakes they made, but also, you know, the, the pandemic, we went through it and, you know, there should have been significant learnings that we're taking, we're writing down, we're implementing, we're putting in so that next time it happens, unfortunately, knock on wood, or there's a second lockdown or second wave that we're more prepared. Um, and each time it's just that continuous improvement. And that's really what I try to, you know, really standardize with my, my clients is I don't want to work with you forever. If, if you do want me to work with you, great. But, you know, I want to really give them the tools, the resources, uh, the procedures, and the ability to approach change in a way that will continuously improve their business and they can learn from. Um, and then from there, they have a solid foundation to build off of and be prepared for anything. Yeah, I think that's really a wonderful thing because, you know, after all of this is said and done, I think the quality of businesses that remain, I think, will have been elevated, um, you know, and kind of washed out some of the the people who weren't really running great businesses didn't have you know good solid foundations and kind of shaking out things and i think as gary vaynerchuk says somewhere in the world of business um that the real entrepreneurs start to show up um yeah. and, the, and the people who are just entrepreneurs um kind of fall to the wayside <laughs> um yeah. and and that they're you know it, it's a good litmus test i think something as as disruptive as as this uh, particular instance this pandemic it causes uh, people to think, reevaluate, and kind of see, you know, the mental fortitude and, and the stomach, of course, um, you know, of what it takes to to really mm-hmm. kind of thrive in it. Yeah. It's unfortunate. I mean, they're in the same token, in the same sweep. There are people who are obviously were in a good position that just got wiped out and nothing they mm-hmm. could do about it. I mean, those yeah. are still happenstance. I mean, you know, that that's unfortunate. Um, on that note, are there any you know valuable resources that have helped you in your journey um, that you might recommend to a person to either read or to to maybe take a look at to maybe improve their business? Great question. <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me this. Actually, I wasn't prepared for it. Um, you know what? I I just think it's so important right now to be to be informed, um, and you really have to be again. Um, 
just based on everything, you have to be so informed on the industry that you're in. You've got to be more knowledgeable. Um, but the people that are are able to um, almost get ahead of the curve and think through like what they need to do. So is there a specific um, direction or you know, you know, uh, article to read or anything. No, I just think it's like, you know, if you're, if you're in the restaurant space, you got to, you have to know everything about that in your, you know, geography, you've got to be informed about, um, what are the latest trends? Um, how are those trends, trends cha changing now? Um, and you've got to be informed about, you know, what's next around the corner. And there's only so much we can predict, of course, have leaving room and space for uh, the unexpected. But, you know, this business is never um, for any, it's not for the faint of heart, right? Cafes, restaurants, retail stores, uh, storefronts now with, you know, so much e-commerce and online. It's not, you know, for the faint of force, it's not easy, but you know, what I love about it is it is unpredictable and that it is um, kind of like a puzzle. You got to keep figuring it out and adapting, but the people that do it, I think authentically and that do it for the right reasons um, and that really want to, you know, you know, give great customer service with a great product behind it are the ones that are going to be staying for a long time um, and be very successful because, you know, out of great, uh, I think you alluded to this too, is out of great, um, you know, difficult times, innovation, um, you know, adaptability, everything, you know, prevails. Some of the greatest things of all time uh, have come out of, you know, really, really bad times, unfortunately. And so hopefully that will continue and hopefully we get to reap some of the benefits of, you know, I, I picture Vancouver becoming um, kind of like Italy or France, where it's got, we've got these big terrazzas and big patios and things like that. Like, I think some of that, it will be amazing. You know, you already see that happening in some of the streets downtown where, you know, all of a sudden there's patios, patios in the street. And it's like, well, can we keep that longer? Because I think that's amazing, right? It just really builds the community. And I think, you know, if we can, you know, take some of the learnings that we've had and take some of the great things um, and put that into, you know, future business models, that, that means that there's staying power for the industry for sure. Amazing. I think it's, uh, it is really neat to see all the changes that occur. And I, I do agree. I think, I think having um, piazzas and, and patios and stuff add character to the city. Yeah. And I think, you know, people passing by from a tourist point of view, you know, that's, that's really mm -hmm. enticing um, rather than everybody stuck indoors and whatnot. And I think it gives a different vibe, a little bit more atmosphere into the city. So if somebody's interested in getting to know a little bit more, maybe just kind of getting an audit and, and understanding a little bit more about their business and, you know, how, how maybe you could help them. How are they going to connect? Yeah, them? I think, um, you know, head to my website, hospitalityconsulting.co, um, you know, love to, you know, meet anyone that's interested in, you know, learning more about what I do. Uh, I offer a free consultation to get to know you, get to know the business, make sure that it's a really mutually beneficial um, relationship. You know, I want to add as much value, if not 10 times as much value as, you know, whatever I have to charge um, to to the business, right? Whether that means cost savings, you know, developing a high performance team, or you know, um, you know, making them more revenue, making them more profits. So for me, you know, I'm interested in talking to to anyone that you know wants some support and wants a partner. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining me here today. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I kind of uh, bamboozled <laughs> you into this, uh, into this podcast, uh, uh, much to your chagrin, but you did fantastic. So if anybody wants to, to connect with Morgan, please make sure you do so. I'll make sure the links are in the description below. And if you are here for the first time, thank you again for listening in. Hope you do enjoy this. And if you found value, please make sure that you send me a message on Instagram. Uh, and that'd be great. Uh, and other than that, have a great day, everybody. Thanks, Justin. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Your time is valuable, and I'm deeply humbled that you're spending that time with me. I want to make this channel something really great, something you can really enjoy and get a lot of value out of. So if you have any suggestions or comments, please connect with me and let me know. 
If you enjoyed this content, I'd love it if you'd share it with somebody else and if you'd leave a comment on iTunes for me. This helps me rank higher on the search engines. And as always, tune in next week as we dig deeper into marketing and business. Until next time, have a great day.